Welcome to the Hedgemaker Broadcast. The prophet Ezekiel prophesied to the nation of Israel many long years ago. Ye have not gone up into the gaps, neither made up the hedge for the house of Israel to stand in the battle in the day of the Lord. He also said that the Lord sought for a man among them that should make up the hedge and stand in the gap before me for the land, that I should not destroy it, but I found none. Hedgemaker Baptist Ministries, located in beautiful Lancaster County, Pennsylvania, is attempting to stand in the gap and make up the hedge in these days of spiritual compromise and theological apostasy. Our biblical and historical Christian heritage challenges us to fill in the gaps left by those who have moved away from their biblical foundation. Listen now as we build up the wall and make up the hedge through sound preaching from God's Holy Word. In the Gospel of Mark, we are, of course, emphasizing the service of the Lord Jesus Christ. So I've been trying to entitle these messages with a servant theme. And so we're going to call this message, The Servant and His Theological Choices. The Servant and His Choices, but they'll have to deal with theological issues in the passage tonight. It's Mark chapter 11, verses 27 through 33, 27 through the end of the chapter. Let me go ahead and read that passage of Scripture. And they came again to Jerusalem. We're we're reading about the life of Christ during this last week of his life, during the Passion Week. And so things are moving rapidly. You'll find different opinions about which day some of these events actually took place. If the Lord was crucified on a Wednesday, as I believe, then these are going to have to be things that take place on a Monday or a Tuesday. So the Lord is in and around Jerusalem. He's probably staying in Bethany with Mary, Martha, and Lazarus, not very far from Jerusalem. Previously, he was in Jerusalem, left Jerusalem, because things were getting tough, and that's what's happening here. During this Passion Week, They are looking for opportunities to capture the Lord, to accuse him, falsely of course. And so they came again to Jerusalem, the disciples, and he, so the Lord evidently walking by himself in the temple, and there come to him the chief priests and the scribes and the elders. Now the temple is a very large building. We read it this morning in Acts chapter 3 when Peter was in the or in the temple in Solomon's porch. Solomon's porch is one of the porticos, an area where it's, it's large and open. There are columns that are 35 feet high, so nearly two stories high, and a place where the rabbis would walk with their students and walk and talk as they went. Sometimes they'd sit and actually have a a classroom, and over they actually had chairs set up in those days. And there's two of these, one I think on the east and one on the south of the temple. And so if you can imagine this, the Lord walking through the temple. Earlier he walked into the temple and saw the money changers. Okay? So he's walking in the temple, and they're come to him, they're evidently looking for him, watching for him, the chief priests, the scribes, and the elders, three different groups, all of them are members, or at least the at least the Sanhedrin is made up of chief priests and scribes and elders. So this is probably a delegation from the Sanhedrin looking for 
ways to uh, accuse him. Just on Sunday, a day or so ago, he was walking into Jerusalem and they put the palms out for him and honored him as the Messiah. And so they say unto him, verse 28, By what authority dost thou these things? And who gave thee this authority to do these things? And Jesus answered and said unto them, I will also ask you one question, and answer me, and I will tell you by what authority I do these things. Jesus did this in other places as well, but he answers a question with a question. Don't you love it when teachers do that? They don't answer your question, they ask you a question back. And his question was, verse 30, the baptism of John. Was it from heaven or of men? Was John from God or was John a mere man without God's authority? Answer me. And they reasoned with themselves, saying, If we shall say from heaven, he will say, Why then did ye not believe him? But if we shall say of men, they feared the people, for all men counted John, that he was a prophet indeed. Spoke the truth, in other words. And they answered and said unto Jesus, We cannot tell. And Jesus answering saith unto them, Neither do I tell you by what authority I do these things. Now, I want to look at the servant and his choices. I'm going to give you four points to the outline. The claims, the questions, the answers, and the decision. The claims, the questions, the answers, and the decision. Now, the claims are not in the text in this immediate text. But where we've been, we have the Lord Jesus Christ being proclaimed as the Messiah. These men, these chief priests, these scribes, these uh, elders, probably representative of the religious Sanhedrin, the group, were infuriated. They're upset. They're enraged about what and who Jesus was. All that's happened, they had the triumphal entry on Sunday, on Palm Sunday. There was Jesus' acceptance of the people's homage. He didn't turn them away and say, oh, don't honor me. Okay. There's the title of Messiah. They didn't like that. There was the cleansing of the temple. And, of course, the priests made money out of that, right? So Jesus overturns the temples and kicked out those folks. That is a loss of revenue. Everybody gets upset when they lose money. I wonder why that is. And there's the disruption there of the profits that they would have had from the selling and the buying. There was also the healing of a blind man and a lame man that's taking place uh, during this week. And it's not recorded here in Mark, but there's the worship of the children. Okay, All of this naturally creating a crisis from this ruling body. They're upset with the Lord Jesus and enraged, infuriated with what he's doing. And of course, he's Jesus of Nazareth, and so they're thinking, probably, what does this Jesus of Nazareth, or who, who does this Jesus of Nazareth think he is? So they ask him the question, by what authority? So the claims. And, of course, you can go back into the Gospels. I'm going to take some time to go through parts of John 10 here tonight because 
Mark doesn't give us all these uh, details. It's the gospel of the servant, okay? A servant is humble, who cares, you know, about a servant's uh, genealogy, so there's no genealogical record. He's just a servant anyway, and so, you know, so he's not going to do this. Mark is not going to give us this, so we're going to go to John to see this. There's a lot of confrontation. John is presenting the Lord Jesus Christ as the Son of God and emphasizing his deity. Now, that's what's being emphasized here by the Lord, but Mark doesn't zero in on that like uh, the other gospel writers do. So there's the claim of his deity as well that comes out of the Gospel of John. All right, so the claims. And so the questions, those are the claims, the questions. There's really two questions that are asked there in verse number 28. By what authority doest thou these things? By what authority do you do the works? And the second question who gave thee this authority, by what person do you have this authority? So the authority for the works, authority for the person, or the personage behind that authority. Okay, so it's a question of his authority. Now, in itself, that's probably not a bad question to ask. In, In a sense, Jesus asked that of his own disciples. Who do men say that I am? So it's, it's really, in itself, not a bad question to ask, well, by what authority does Jesus do these things? Who is he anyway? We need to ask that question. The answer to that question is what gives us our salvation. If he's the divine Son of God, we have eternal life. If he's not the divine Son of God, we do not have eternal life. So it's a good basic question. Who sent him? Where did he come from? And all of this, of course, is being presented, has been presented, in the ministry of Christ. Alright, so let's uh, look at this. Now, now, one thing you want to notice is they are not denying his works. He performed many miracles. He healed the sick. He caused the blind to see. There are many things that he did. The feeding of the 5,000, the feeding of the 4,000. All of those are recorded, of course, for us in the gospel. They are records of history. People saw those things, and uh, they're not denying his works. You know, I think about people. You can't really deny God's works. You think about creation itself. A man's got to be blind to deny that God created the world. God created the heavens and the earth. The Bible declares that. The fool hath said in his heart, there is no God. But I guess we have people that are, that are fools. They deny the works. They look at all of the things that are going on, and they watch what's happening in Christians' lives, and they deny that those things take place. But these guys did not do that. So, they're asking by what authority he is doing the works that he's doing. Now, perhaps they're unaware of it, but they were really asking the question that would determine their eternal destiny. What is the authority, what is the explanation of the works of Christ? His works include his ministry, his preaching. They were often astonished at his preaching. There's the raising of the dead. There's the healing of the sick. There would be later his ascension into heaven his teaching, 
his prophecy, his foretelling of the future, the calming of the storms, and of course his whole death, burial, and resurrection. All of that is going to give testimony of his uh, works as well. What is the authority for those works? Well, of course, it's God. Uh, It's his heavenly Father. And then the second question was a question of his person. Who gave thee this authority? Now, he was claiming, as well as the people that accepted him, he was claiming to be the promised messianic king because he entered the city, as he did on Palm Sunday. He claimed to be the head of God's work. When he went into the temple, he said, Make not my house, another place he recorded, my father's house. Of course, he teaches, my father and I are one. My house, God's house. The temple was God's house. So, he's claiming his deity, isn't he? He claimed to be the light of the world. When he healed that blind man just in this very week, he healed the blind man. He's claiming again he's the light of the world to those who are physically and spiritually blind. He's the messianic healer to the lame man, like he was just a day or so earlier, or maybe it was on the same day. And, of course, he's the messianic fulfillment of Scripture by receiving the praise of the children. That's all taking place on this very week this Passion Week. So, who's giving him authority to do all this? Well, it's his father, of course. Now, I believe that these scribes and these Pharisees, these elders, knew who he was claiming to be. I don't think they were blind about that or ignorant about that. They just rejected those claims. They refused to believe. They chose the course of obstinate unbelief. They had proof upon proof that he was God's son, but they still refused to believe. Now, the answers to that question, who gave you the authority? If I could put this on a chalkboard or a, a whiteboard or whatever, the possible answers, either he's giving that authority by himself, whoever he is, Or, on the other side, others. And we could talk about and philosophize, well, okay, if he's getting that authority from himself, well, who is he? And and so this is part of the question that the the scribes and the Pharisees are answering. Well, if you're getting this authority from yourself, who are you? They wanted to deny that he was God. Now, on this other side, if it's others, then you've got three possible answers. Either he is commissioned by some other man to go and do all these things and to make all these claims, or he is commissioned to do that by Satan. They called him Beelzebub. Or he's commissioned to do this by God. And so you narrow that down, and of course the authority comes from God. It wasn't that he was given commission from some other man. He wasn't having this authority on his own. And it didn't come from Satan. Jesus answered that question, how can Satan destroy himself? How can Beelzebub destroy himself? I forget exactly how he said that, but he gave that refutation of that claim when they said he was doing this by the authority of Satan. Because they didn't want to believe that it was from God. 
So the only answer is, the proper answer is from God. That's the answer we're going to get. Now, let's look at Jesus' answer. Jesus' answer was another question. Right? Verse number 29. Jesus answered and said unto them, I will also ask of you one question, and answer me, and I will tell you by what authority I do these things. Well, he didn't have to give his answer because they didn't respond to his question. His question was in verse 30. The baptism of John. Was it from heaven or of men? So he's narrowing down these two choices to two. Was the ministry of John a ministry of man or was it a ministry from God? So we really can narrow that with the Lord. Is the ministry of Jesus from man, either himself or some other man, or was it from God? So they have the first choice. Was John from God? If so, John the Baptist, we're talking about John the Baptist and his ministry, and everybody thought he was a great prophet. If John was from God, and John says, in John 1.29, Behold the Lamb of God that taketh away the sin of the world. If John was from God, we had to listen to John. And John was telling us that Jesus was God. At least God's Lamb. So they are going to say, well, we can't answer that way. Because then we're going to agree that if John was from God, then Jesus is from God. Or was he a mere man? And if that's true, that John just came preaching, you know, out of the blue, after 400 silent years, preaching this wild message as a mere man, then Jesus is a mere man as well. Now, philosophically, if you think about that, what Jesus was doing, the works, and what he was claiming, if he was only a man, he was probably the greatest imposter, or would have been the greatest imposter that ever lived. I mean, he duped the people. How in the world could he do those things and say those things if he was only a man? So philosophically, you can knock the pillars out of that argument that he was a mere man. Well, they couldn't answer that with John either because they saw the work that John did. And the people revered him as being a man of God. So they denied that. So let's go to the Gospel of John. In John chapter 10, it's one of the places in the Gospel of John where we see some of the confrontation that the Lord has with the Jews. Let's begin reading at verse 22. And it was at Jerusalem, the Feast of the Dedication, and it was winter. And Jesus walked in the temple in Solomon's porch. And there came the Jews round about him and said unto him, How long dost thou make us doubt? If thou be the Christ, tell us plainly. Jesus answered them, I told you. And ye believe not. The works that I do in my Father's name, they bear witness of me. So the works bear witness of me. But ye believe not, because ye are not of my sheep. As I said unto you, my sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. This following on the heels of the discourse on the Good Shepherd. The shepherd is calling for the sheep, and you're not listening, therefore you're not my sheep. 
and I give unto them eternal life, and they shall never perish. Neither shall any man pluck them out of my hand. My Father which gave them me is greater than all, and no man is able to pluck them out of my Father's hand. I and my Father are one, and his Father, of course, is God. Then the Jews took up stones again to stone him. Jesus answered them, Many good works have I showed you from my Father. For which of those do ye stone me? The Jews answered him, saying, For a good work we stone thee not, but for blasphemy. And because that thou, being a man, that's absurd, because how can a man do the works that he does? How can a man make the claims and prove the claims? Making thyself God. Well, he didn't make himself God, he was God. Jesus answered them, Is it not written in your law, I said, ye are gods? If ye called them gods, unto whom the word of God came, and the scriptures cannot be broken, say ye of him, whom the Father hath sanctified and sent unto the world, thou blasphemous, because I said, I am the Son of God. If I do not the works of my Father, believe me not. So the works, the miracles, are proof of his deity. But if I do, though ye believe not, believe not me, believe the works, that ye may know and believe that the Father is in me and I in him. Therefore they sought again to take him, and he escaped out of their hands. So we have these two choices. Either Jesus was a mere man, like John was a mere man, if that's what you're going to believe about John, or Jesus is of God, like John was of God. Now, John wasn't divine, but there was a man sent from God, whose name was John. So John was from God. Not divine, but having authority from God. God sent him into the world. So, was Jesus sent on his own? Or was he sent by God? Those were, they were narrowing those choices down to those two. So those are the two answers. Alright, so you have the claims, the questions, and the answers. Now, the chief priests, the scribes, and the elders were not really concerned about the truth. They did not want to discover the truth. They're questioning him so now their questioning becomes a sinful thing. I don't know where the line is. I mentioned earlier in the message, I don't think questioning who Jesus is in itself is wrong. These men were not interested in discovering the truth. If we're looking for the truth and we're answering that or asking that question, and we find the truth, and we embrace the truth, what does the truth do? it sets us free. But if you deny the truth, and these men had no intention of accepting the truth, they are therefore committing a threefold sin. They're deliberately denying Jesus. He is not the Son of God. He is a mere man. He is but a man. We read there, I think, in John 10. And so, they must really have thought that about John, too. John's ministry was just a man's ministry. And John was not sent from God. So they're deliberately denying who Jesus was. Part of this 
is due to the loss of funds. Doesn't Paul teach us in the book of Timothy that the love of money is the root of all evil? So they lost their funds, and so they're denying the deity of Christ due to this. Now, they also feared the men. If you look back in Mark's Gospel, verse 31-32, Mark 11, verse 31-32, they reasoned with themselves, saying, If we shall say that John was from heaven, he will say, Why then did ye not believe him? John presented the Lord Jesus. So why didn't they believe John, who presented Christ, they would have embraced Christ. But if we shall say that he's of men, they feared the people. So that's another sin. They feared the men. They were deliberately cowardly. They feared the reactions of the people. Now, what do you do with that? If you really have a hold of the truth, what does the Bible tell us about that? I will not fear what man can do unto me. But if I don't have the truth, I'm going to be swayed by the fear of men. We as Christians not, ought not to be afraid of the fear of men if we hold the truth. We ought to hold the truth. Now, it doesn't mean we have to be belligerent with the truth. Okay? We need to express the truth in love. But these men were fearful of men. They feared the people. And then they chose expediency. They chose to deliberately be ignorant of the truth. So they deliberately denied Christ. They were deliberately cowardly. Did not stand up for what they thought was the truth. And they were deliberately ignorant of the truth. They purposely denied the truth. Second Peter 3, 5. For this they willingly are ignorant of. That by the word of God the heavens were of old. So willfully ignorant. Willfully ignorant. That's the way these men were. They chose to be ignorant of the truth. They denied him. They uh, were cowardly, fearing the men, uh, fearing the people, and they were deliberately ignorant. Now, let's look at their decision. Back in Mark, verse number 33. They're reasoning among themselves, so they're probably talking amongst themselves. Well, hey, if we say that he's of God, we have to accept him. If we say he's of men, then we're going to be in trouble. We're going to be in trouble anyway. So let's just say we don't know. So verse 33, And they answered and said unto Jesus, We cannot tell. We can't tell if he, John was from man or, or if he was from God. So ultimately they're saying the same thing about Jesus. We can't tell whether you're from man or from God. We're not going to give you an answer. It's indecision. Indecision and agnosticism are always tragic. When we have choices to make as a servant of the Lord, God puts us in those places where we need to choose between these theological truths particularly. We must make a decision. Indecision is tragic. When they said we cannot tell, they're still in their sin. They're still denying the deity of Christ. They are still being cowardly and fearing the people. They are still deliberately being ignorant, purposely being ignorant of the truth. They don't want to know the truth. They're not concerned to discover the truth. You and I ought to be truth seekers. These men had every opportunity to receive the truth. Jesus had given them 
a three and a half, almost four year ministry, and they had ample opportunity to receive the truth. But they would not. You choose to receive Christ or reject Christ. As a Christian, we choose to follow Him or not follow Him. You cannot be indecisive and sit on the fence and say, well, I'm going to not really follow Him, but I'm not going to reject Him either. Either He's the Son of God or He is not. Now is the time to make decisions regarding anything in life. These are theological questions here in Mark chapter 11. But the servant of the Lord has to make decisions all along the way. Who is Jesus? And then, will you follow Him? Will you be His servant? You can't be indecisive. This is Dr. Lee Hennies, and we want to thank you for listening to the Hedgemaker broadcast today. Most of our broadcasts are portions of a sermon that I have preached at church. Hedgemaker Baptist Ministries is the preaching, teaching, and writing ministry for myself. You can visit us on the web at hedgemaker.org. And let's be encouraged to stand in the gap and make up the hedge until Jesus comes again. Mm-hmm.